Hey, this is Dan Berdar, CEO of Ideal Power. If you're wanting to learn about how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsis. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. Perhaps the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. And if you haven't already checked out the Facebook group or the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing, love to see you there on those platforms. Come along and feel free to share that with your friends and your family and your network. All right, let's get underway with today's episode, listeners. I have a wonderful guest with me today. His name is Dan Bradar, and he's the President and Chief Executive Officer of Ideal Power Incorporated. He has over 30 years of experience in the power systems and energy industries and has held a variety of leadership positions during his career. In addition to his role at Ideal Power, Dan has served as President and CEO of Fuel Cell Energy Incorporated, and it's a NASDAQ-listed company with a market cap of over $250 million. Dan, a big welcome to you. Thank you, Dennis. It's a pleasure to be with you. Awesome. Hey, whereabouts in the world are you today? I'm in beautiful Austin, Texas. Great place for uh, any technology company to be these days. Awesome. Yeah, very good. And football, American football, are you a follower of any team? Absolutely. I watched my team lose last night on TV, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. (laughs) Very good. I actually have traveled to the US and to Texas in particular a lot, and I love the Dallas Cowboys. I think they're great. And um, You have a lot of company there. Texas is uh, all about football when it comes to sports. Yeah, yeah. It's very good. All righty. Hey, I've given our listeners a little bit of an introduction to you. Tell us a little bit more about your background. Sure. You know, I'm an engineer by education. I've spent my entire career focused on developing and bringing new energy technologies to market. During my career, I've worked in research development and product development. I was an associate director at one of the U.S. Department of Energy National Labs. I led the gas turbine product lines for General Electric. I led Fuel Cell Energy as a publicly traded company, and I've also worked in a solar solutions company. So my career has always been about taking innovative energy-related technologies from concept to commercialization. Everyone loves a leader with lots of energy. That's that's a good thing too, right? So it, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's very good. Awesome. Hey, um, tell me something. How did you get into leadership? Well, it didn't happen through any deliberate plan. You know, anytime you're bringing new technology from concept to commercialization, there are always unexpected surprises. The earlier you are in the development and commercialization of a technology, the less time and money you think it's going to take because you just don't have enough information yet about 
the technical, the manufacturing, the commercialization challenges. So I found my way into leadership roles largely as a result of being on teams that face challenges, bringing new technologies to market and being personally willing to take the initiative and getting the team through the process of identifying, evaluating, and implementing solutions, and then being willing to be accountable if the solutions didn't deliver what was needed. So when you are openly working to enable and facilitate your team success, it just leads to more opportunities to lead bigger and bigger groups. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. So I think one thing for our listeners here is that actually put your hand up. I think if you're you're there in teams and that great opportunity for you to develop as an individual as a leader would be to put your hand up and you know say that you want to be willing to do things. Is is that what you, more or less what you're saying here, Dan? Right? You've it, you've gone you've done, you've it's done what that. it really comes down to. It's you know it's it's not just being willing to put your hand up, but to really have an idea on how you can help the team be successful. Because you've got to be willing to say, there's something I can bring either in terms of my experience base, my tool set or whatever, to help the team solve a problem and think about how is the team going to succeed? Because you all win if uh, if the team is successful. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Okay, cool. So just not, not just putting your hands up. It's also being in there and bringing your value or bring some value to the table and doing things. Dan, you've mentioned a few things here, or well, one thing several times, and it's about implementing solutions and so forth. A lot of people come to the leader at times with the problem and try yeah. to take the monkey, if I can put it that way, off off their shoulders onto the leader's shoulder. How important or what is one or two things people should do when they're going to, to their leader with a problem? What do you think they should be doing? Well, you know, I, I think you know, no leader enjoys just getting a data dump of here's the problem. Because a lot of times they're not close enough to it to really understand the context as well as maybe the people that are on that team. What you really want to do is say, hey, here's the problem. Here's, here's my thought on what I think we should do. I need your advice. I need your counsel. Is that going to work? Or what, you know, should we try to do something different? Because it also helps the leadership identify who's the next generation of leaders. They might have an idea that won't work for any number of reasons, but what you see is somebody that wants to see the team succeed. They're willing to craft solutions. They're not just handing the problem off to somebody else and say, please solve this for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. I, I like that, team. I think uh, a lot of people should come to the leader with, okay, here's a scenario. Here are one or two or three solutions. This is the one we're recommending and why. Because, you know, I think it's it's good. And it's a great learning process for, for people too. I think the big, big word that I want to sort of emphasize here that I'm hearing Dan say is execution. It's all good to talk about things, but actually executing it and delivering on that is really critical for everybody and organizations. Yeah, it's absolutely essential. You know, one of the worst things that a leader can do is not make a decision. Oh, yeah. You're never going to have all the information you'd like, but the importance of making a decision, being willing to acknowledge it wasn't the right path, need to change direction is important. But the worst thing you can do is just sit there and say, I don't know what to do. Oh, you, you, it's, I love it. It's music to my ears because I think uh, you're so right in what you're saying. Leaders not making a decision. Nobody wants that. Come on. No. We've got to make a decision. I think what we're saying here as well is that a lot of leaders want to make the right decision. We don't mm-hmm. know all the time whether it's going to be a right decision. Make one and then you can always adjust, right, and move exactly. forward. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Very good. All righty. Now, this is an interesting question here because you may have been asked it a lot before in your career. And it could be somebody who's alive or from history, but who is your favorite leader and why? Hmm. Ah, great question. It's hard to pick one because we've had so many in our history. But if I had to think about one that just really stands out to me, it'd be Abraham Lincoln. He is someone who came from 
very humble beginnings. You know, he lost his mother at a young age. He was alienated by his father. He was largely self-taught. Uh, became a lawyer and a great public speaker, you know, got elected to the state legislature, uh, and he went on to become president and lead the country through one of its most fragile times. And he led based on his values and his belief in what is right. And he made decisions that at the time were terribly unpopular in many parts of the country, but he stayed true to his values and he fundamentally changed the course of our nation. Yep. And and the values, the beliefs, that's strong. That's a yes. that's a strong foundation to have behind somebody to to lead on that, lead from that, but also probably to lean on that as well, right? I mean, it's, I think it's important. It is because you know you think about the scenario that President Lincoln was in. There's no way he had enough information to analyze a whole bunch of scenarios. He basically had to say, "What do I think is the right thing to do? Do I trust my values? Do I trust the information I'm getting? And can I chart a course forward here that is ultimately going to lead us to a better place?" So, if you were on a bench park, no park bench, I should say, wrong way around, park bench, mm-hmm. sitting down there with Abraham Lincoln, you happen to be there, and you both got a coffee in your hand. What would be one question you would like to ask him? I would want to know, when did he make the decision to actually emancipate the slaves? Because, you know, we see a lot in history about when that happened. But I suspect that in his own mind, he had made that decision much earlier than when the action was actually taken. And what he was looking for was, all right, do we have enough support? Are we going to be able to get through this conflict uh, and ultimately land at a place that is going to create all kinds of turmoil economically for the South, but ultimately is where we have to go to be a better nation? And I, I suspect that because he had such deep-seated values that very early in his presidency, that was his, probably his plan all along. Yeah, it would have been, oh, just imagine being in his mind to understand what was he was going through, he was thinking, yeah. and yeah, what a massive decision and uh, and good on him for standing up with his values and his beliefs to, to, yes. to go ahead and do this, which, which is brilliant. So, Dan, the show is called Leadership is Changing. And mm-hmm. uh, when I say that statement or title, what does that mean to you? You know, we've all been working in a pretty unusual environment for the last year and a half. Yep. Um, due to the pandemic, there are changes in business regulations and requirements. We've had supply chain disruptions. We've had changes in employee work situations really high levels of stress for employees across the board as they deal with you know the fluid school requirements for their children, the need to use technology maybe they hadn't used before and weren't comfortable with, new collaboration tools. So it all requires a much greater level of flexibility and leadership in dealing with each individual situation and how to come across the solutions that work for people at an individual level, but also allow the organization to facilitate getting things done. It means a much higher level of communication and collaboration and mentoring by the leadership in an organization, as well as dealing with new challenges, and in some cases, sustained changes to the way we work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was working with a leader recently, and um, they were talking about they were having record months in the actual business and so forth. And they were talking about no one's coming back into the office, and everyone's still working from home, and and all that. And I went, you know what? A couple of years ago, you probably would have had a, an actual argument to get people back in and people will be working. But now we've been working almost two years from home mm-hmm. and you're having record months. Hello. Yeah. If, if, if they came back to the office, you may not have any more record months, if you know what I mean. It could be, yeah, because yeah, the whole adjustment is going to be really amazing. So, you know, when, when the world went into that sort of lockdown with the pandemic and that and we saw leaders, it was quite interesting to watch leaders, how they reacted to things and the way that they did things. Did you see leaders or managers with titles not step up? And did you see those who didn't have the titles step up? What, what did you see? Well, you know, it, it's interesting because of the nature of our business, we work with a lot of companies. And 
What I saw for some of the leaders that are in some of the large established companies that we collaborate with, there was a real resistance to change. They have a way of working. They typically have come up through their organizations. There was a culture in place and things that did not conform to that, that mindset in terms of how the company works, how we interact with one another, really struggled. They really struggled versus small companies like Ideal Power is a small company. For us, the transition was really pretty straightforward. You know, we all know each other. We all have good working relationships with, with each other. It's easy for us to be flexible. You know, we had some people that have some health issues that we said, you know what? You don't need to come into the office. You can do your job effectively from home. We know you. We trust you. So we really didn't even miss a beat when all this went on. And I, I felt bad because there are a lot of engineers that we work with at the technical level who I could tell were frustrated. You know, they were trying to balance here we are coming into a new school year and I don't even know whether my kids are going to be taking school from home or can they go in. And my wife and I are trying to figure out how do we make this work? And, you know, my, my boss says, I got to be back in the office. Well, that's, you know, you got to be flexible. You got to figure out how do you make it work? Because the things that maybe made that company successful in, you know, in the earlier days, if they're resistant to change and adaptation, you're going to get left behind. You're, you're not going to be able to attract and retain good people. And you're going to lose opportunities to really explore new ways to do things. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I love it. Because uh, I think that you're so right in what you're saying. I mean, what worked in the past wasn't, isn't going to work going forward. And so we have to think differently and, and do things and we need to be flexible and do what works. I think that's, that's just spot on what yeah. you're saying there. Yeah, it's really good. Excellent. So, we're in a fast-paced, ever-changing world. Socially, business, technology, things are moving very, very fast. What makes a leader successful today in a fast-paced, ever-changing world? You know, it goes back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier. It's important to be comfortable making decisions with limited or potentially conflicting information. Mm. Particularly in small companies, you know, one of the greatest advantages that you have versus large competitors is speed. Yep. The ability to innovate, develop new ideas and products, try out concepts and strategies, and if necessary, quickly make course adjustments is a real competitive advantage. And if you get caught in this analysis paralysis, waiting for more and better information and delaying the decision, not only are you losing your opportunity to get an advantage, but you are also likely frustrating your team because they want to move forward. Mm -hmm. And if you're not making a decision, they don't have any context of why you're not making a decision. You're waiting for some information that they probably know isn't coming. You can actually really demoralize your team. But so it really comes down to you've got to be willing to gather and interpret data quickly. Mm -hmm. You've got to have a team around you whose judgment you trust and being willing to sort through the information and make a decision quickly. And you also have to be willing to adapt your plans based on the changes in your environment that were unexpected and possibly outside of your company's ability to control or influence. Excellent. Listeners, data, facts, interpret it, understand what it means for you and your business, make decisions and move forward, and make sure you have the right people around you to engage and execute on that. Now, Dan, the team around you, let's just, you mentioned that before, let's just talk a little bit about that. So how important is it to have the right people around you? It's, there's probably nothing more important than the success of a business. You can have people that are brilliant at what they do, mm. but if they're not a team, you can't deliver you have to have a team that values and appreciates each other, understand each other's strengths and weaknesses, and are mutually interested in each other's success. And we, we had an issue this morning where we have a member of our team who is out of the country. He's visiting family, has been able to see him for a while. And the team came to me and said, hey, our teammate isn't going to have time to do what he needs to do for this customer. Can we all just get in a room and do his presentation for him and send it off to him to just critique it. And we said, absolutely. So it's getting that mindset of 
you all succeed together, you know, and it's challenging because a lot of it comes down to chemistry. It's especially in the technical world. A lot of times you have people that are very senior in their technical career who believe that they know more and have more experience than youngers. It's that willingness to say, what about, what if we did this or what if we tried that, that I think helps people collectively reach a better decision. Mm. Just imagine if we did do that, where would we be? Where would organizations be? And leaders, you might be more successful. Yes. Just telling you a little secret there, um, what Dan's <laughs> sharing there, that you may be more successful. So we can all can succeed together. And as a team, we can deliver on what's going around you. And I, Dan, I find it fascinating because I ask a lot of people that I, executives that I work with and coach, do you have the right people around you? Mm-hmm. And the question is being asked, and they think about it for few seconds and they go, yes, definitely. And I'm like, are you sure? Yeah. And just by me asking that question, it starts to question them in their own mind, but also starts to put doubt in their mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, and I'm doing it on purpose to actually sort of disrupt their thinking and, and actually make them understand. And it's actually quite interesting to see when people come back a week later, a few days later, maybe even a couple of hours later, they text me back going, actually, I don't think I do have all the right people around me. I've got some, but there are some gaps. And I think that's something I'm hearing is, or I'm seeing as well, is a lot of boards are thinking at the moment for this cycle of what's actually happening, do I have the right CEO? The CEO is thinking and the board, are we in the right business? Do we have the right organizational structure to fulfill that business? And do I actually have the right leadership team to make this happen? Yeah. And it's interesting to see the results or the answers coming back, which is pretty interesting to see. I agree. I agree. You know, and a lot of times too, it's, you know, when you think about your team, you have to think mm. about them not just individually, but collectively, because there may be people who have a higher level of expertise in any given functional area, but it's, it's how do they work together and complement one another that can really help bridge some of those gaps and actually allow you collectively to function at a higher level. Nice. Very good. Complement each other, function at a higher level. Excellent. Very good. Now, you and I have been talking about leaders and we've been looking through their lens. If we were to now look at employees mm-hmm. and look through their lenses, the question I've got here is how has employees' expectations of leaders changed? You know, I, th- I think it's actually changed quite a bit. You know, I, I'm later in my career and, you know, I grew up in an environment where there was a leader and that leader set the direction and people kind of saluted and went off and did what they thought what was needed. And a lot of times not even having any context for what needed to be done. I think today people are looking for a lot more interaction with their leaders. They want to hear from their leaders about the company, the markets the company's pursuing, its strategy to be successful, and have broader context about the environment the company's working in. They also want to have the opportunity to be heard and provide their input and their perspectives on the challenges and priorities because it helps them have the broader view of what the business is doing and why. And the younger your employee base, the more participative leadership style I think is required. This is a good thing because it really helps everyone be more aligned on goals and priorities. And for your employees, it helps them understand and appreciate where their efforts fit into and contribute to the broader success of the company. I think employees are increasingly, you know, looking for work to provide more than just a good income, but they want it to play, they want to play a role in contributing in a positive way to the global challenges we're facing as we address energy, climate, and economic challenges. And leadership has to create the environment where the employees have the opportunity to really appreciate that because 
it's so easy for people, particularly with, with specialized skill sets, to find new jobs. The reward that they get from working has to go well beyond just, hey, I got a good paycheck. It's I'm doing something that I understand where it fits into the broader scheme, and I'm adding value as a result of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How I fit into the bigger picture, but adding value is really cool. Now, you mentioned before about participative leadership. Mm-hmm. What, what do you mean by that? Can you help our listeners understand a little bit more what you mean? You have to be open to people saying coming to you and knowing that they can approach you and say, why did we take this decision? Or why right. are we going to pursue this product or this market? You have to be approachable so that it gives you the opportunity to help them have perhaps a business perspective that maybe they are not party to because of their particular role in the organization. But it also is great for you as the leader because it really forces you to say, do I have a good reason? Have, do I have are my rationale for doing what we're doing right? And having somebody question that is the best way for self-reflection to say, yeah, this this appears to be the best thing for us to do at this point in time based on what we know today. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Because um, I, I see a lot of leaders up on stage or in front of crowds, in front of audiences, in front of their staff, and they just waffle. And they're trying yeah. to communicate something, and it's not coming out as well. And people go, huh? I don't get it. I think if they use the what, the why, and the how, and they actually communicate it in a way that people understand it, then they will buy into it better and, of course, yes. understand the bigger picture. And as you, as you say, you're, you know, rightly that a lot of people don't always see the bigger picture or don't actually want to understand all the different parts of the, of, of the dynamic situation. And so if they don't understand all of it, they only see it from their point of view, mm-hmm. then you actually have to help them understand a lot bigger. And, it, and, it, and it's not just a five-minute window or here's a red pill, blue pill, da-da, yep. you, you now understand it. It's going to take some time because they'll still have questions, right? And it really needs to be just an ongoing part of how you work. I mean, people need to know that, look, the leadership is open to having these discussions. They want to have debate about things where it's necessary to have debate. When it's time to make a decision, we want to make a decision and move on. So we, we hope we have everybody on board with that decision. But you've had enough dialogue about it that people know why the decision was made. And that if later on somebody doesn't think it's working out, they know that there's no downside for them saying, hey, I think we should revisit this, you know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very good. Alrighty, I'm going to ask you to get your crystal ball out now. Okay. And we're going to talk about the future. So where do you see leadership being in five years? Five years. You know, I I think leaders tomorrow, first of all, are going to have to be much more comfortable with technology of all sorts, particularly, you know, working in global markets and with global partners. I think having the ability to analyze and use data about global customers, do deeper dives on what that data is potentially telling you about the markets and your strategy and how you're going to differentiate your product and service offerings is going to be key. I think the teams that leaders build and work with will be increasingly diverse, both geographically and culturally. I think leaders are going to need to figure out how to recruit, how to retain, how to motivate and enable those teams to succeed and work together smoothly, particularly in light of the fact that some of them may never be in the same room together to build that personal relationship that historically, you know, people have have gotten from work. Um, And because we're an increasingly global marketplace, you know, where new and small companies can get access to capital and displace large established players also means that there's a need to just continually innovate. It's never been greater because the pace of change just continues to accelerate. And I think that's true across pretty much any business today. Mm, yeah, I agree. It's getting faster and faster and it's how we handle it, right? And being more yes. comfortable with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's actually quite interesting. I talk about five years, but I think actually even today, what about five weeks? What about five months? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's, there's, it's happening so fast, which is really interesting to happen. 
Although, if we think about life, you know, Abraham Lincoln, going back to the scenario that you said before, I mean, life from then to now, every year it got faster. Every year things started to happen. And we'll see what's going to happen going forward, especially around technology and so forth. What's your thoughts about executives, leaders being digital savvy and also being active in the digital world. How important is that? Well, I, you know, I think it's critical because there are so many people coming into the workplace that that is how they communicate. That's their preferred medium. Mm. And if you can't relate to them through the tools and the style that they use, you're not going to reach them. You've got to find ways to you know, get current, know how to use the, the tools and technology that help you but also really help your team understand that, all right, he, he understands technology. He knows how to communicate to us. He's open to expressing things and having us respond to them. So I, I think the days of people just getting together in meeting rooms is, is going to be largely disappearing over time. And we really need to use all these wonderful tools that are out there now to enable people to communicate and collaborate. And the leaders really need to understand and value the productivity those things can bring. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to what you said before, it's about how you get the best out of the team and you know, for them to be able to succeed together. It's actually together being individuals along with the tools that we have, the technology, to enable us to empower us to actually be more successful than we are before. It's just a different way of working, but it's about embracing that and getting on with it rather than being resistant or being stuck in the old ways, if I can put it that way. Exactly. If you do, you're going to get left behind. You are. You are. And actually, in the opening of the show here, I talk about leaders not changing quick enough, Dan, and they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being Mm -hmm. left behind. And we've seen... Many companies, we've seen many leaders who have actually done that and well. So here's a big warning for you listeners. Make sure you are staying on the cutting edge and make sure that you are staying relevant. And I think that's very important. One way to do that, Dan, of course, is, of course, our listeners, they're onto it because they're listening to the podcast. And um, it's, it's things like this that actually will help people do that for sure. So, Dan, thank you so much for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? A great way to do it would be through either my own LinkedIn profile or through the company's LinkedIn profile. We're pretty active in terms of responding to things that we see. So feel free to reach out. Always interested in collaborating with others or just having people learn about the company and what we're doing. Awesome. Dan, once again, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Uh, Dennis, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Hey, listeners, if you haven't already checked out the Facebook group or the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing, please come along. We'd love to see you in these different communities, these platforms and be wonderful to see you there. So reach out and join those different platforms and feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.